Joe, happy, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was good. I traveled on, on the morning yeah. um, you know, out of MIA airport. That's kind of nuts. Your flight didn't get canceled? No, I was sitting there looking at the board, and I was seeing all these cancellations, and I'm like, wow, I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's the, Omicron. Okay. that's the Omicron travel. Yeah, I guess it took out a lot of flight crews, you know, yeah. stewards and pilots. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were all the way down at the end of gate D or terminal D and like gate 60, which I didn't really even realize was still there. But it's sort of like, you know, it's smaller planes like the Embraers and stuff like that. And yeah. Um, so when you go outside, just like the olden days, you know, and there's, you know, you walk up to the plane. It was like, you know, small town airport again. Yeah. So it was kind of refreshing. Got some steps in heading to it. And um, <laughs> you know, and it was <laughs> it was an easy flight. You know, then uh, just chilled out and around here, you know, of course, everybody's got COVID out there, it looks like. So, yeah, hunkered up or out with, uh, you know, my high end mask, uh, <laughs> my N95. Yeah, that's all like, we have anymore. I know. It's it's funny. Remember, like a couple of years ago, they were like, no, you shouldn't use that, you know, blah, blah, because all the healthcare workers needed them. Yeah. And now it's like, who, who even has a cloth one on? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> It's like you might as well just put a gun to your head, you know. Kind of exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, you? I had a great Christmas here at my parents' house in Georgia, and uh, you know, everybody hung around, ate lots of food, too much food, you know, did the did the normal thing. I'm trying to find uh, my my wife got me a new wardrobe. I sent to you. I think uh, I'm going to share that up. Yeah, please. Now, That's now we have nice. Now we have merch. Yep. So uh, since the wife made one of the one of the mini T-shirts I got was a uh, was a uh, did I share that with you? I did. You didn't shared I? me a picture in a, one of the Telegram channels. Yeah. All I was right. going to say put me in for an XL. <laughs> I told her we're going to have to order more. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll then we'll if anybody wants them, we'll mass quantity them. But uh, maybe I send it to. Oh, there it is. All right. Let me. Uh, uh, oh, you know, if you share your screen, it's going to like crunch. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to share. I made a little video of all the shirts together. I just can't figure out what the hell I did with it. Anyway, talk about something, Joe, while I look for this. Anyway, had a great Christmas, had a great time, uh, family together, you know, all that good stuff. My parents, my nephews, uh, my brother, all that, all that fun stuff. Oh, good. Yeah, no. Good. Yeah, it's, you know, I just got here a couple of days ago, so I have plans this week to roll in DC a couple of times and you know go, go visit schmooze, with go schmooze yeah, with the go find Jay guys. I gotta go find Jay Powell again. I gotta figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, can you check on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm meeting him for flame and shots uh when <laughs> that's yeah. good, dude. I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that. Hey, hold on. So I wore my, I got a crypto dad t-shirt, which says crypto dad, just like a normal dad, but way smarter. And immediately went into the grocery store yesterday and immediately had a compliment from somebody on it. So that was good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I like that shirt. I'm like, thank you very much. I'm trying to send this file to myself. It's just not going to happen. Oh, there it goes. Wait. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what else. Joe, um, everybody's making their predictions for the year. You got any good ones? For 2022? 
Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of predictions on, you know, calling Curve and Ave uh, the plays for 2022. Um, you know, I am kind of intrigued by that. You know, I've, I've been supporting those for quite a while. Um, I, I, I wonder, you know, I just, I mean, I guess it could be. I mean, 3-5-X from some of these. I don't know, Ave too. Well, maybe. Um, but I think that's kind of interesting. I think it's more about how do you take those and do all the things we talk about, the cross-chain, multi-chain stuff where it's seamless, you don't see it, you know, all of those things around. Um, but again, I also like, you know, sushi, um, you know, at five, it was the other day. Now it's at 750, I think. I mean, we've been right. talking about that for a while. Um, oh, look at that. That's the crypto dad. This one I love. I have on right now, Essential Elements of Financial Freedom. I like that. Bitcoin, be your own bank. See, you can have variety in your wardroom when you're not an when you're not a maximalist. And this I love. Surely not everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Got the Ethereum shirt. Got my retirement plan. Bitcoin. There you go. Freedom. Bitcoin. My wife's what? good. She doesn't even understand. There it is. Like There's the merch. Yeah, There's like the DeFi that. lunch merch. That's we need great, to enhance man. your picture in that though, because you're a little faded out. So yeah, that was when I was using the uh, old school technology. I thought you were going to yeah. say that's when I was using heroin or something. No, no, that's more of when uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had all those dudes in the back room with the abacai abacuses or whatever you say, yeah, cranking it out, um, the smoky <laughs> back room, the, the boiler room. Yeah, yeah. No, I no, I've upgraded my uh, gear. So that's no, good. So we got merch. My wife, my wife created our first merch, so that's good. And uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was good holidays. Okay, so I had a little list for us to run through. We're gonna keep them short for the holidays, um, and I'm not gonna be able to do it tomorrow, Joe, because I'm gonna be okay. on the road. So. Let's just scrub it. Let's just scrub it till um, then the third. Yeah. Oh, okay. So first thing is the club for everybody yeah. that's. Uh, we've had an unbelievable response to it. We have over. 80 grand committed right now, Joe. Nice. It's that's, I mean, a week in a week, we have people putting in $80,000 in a week. That's pretty amazing. We're not going to turn any heads in the crypto hedge fund space, but it's still a lot of fun that a lot of people want to take advantage of this and have some fun together. We're building out the community and discord. If you haven't signed up yet, send me a DM on Twitter or telegram B 5 crypto or on Discord, B05 Crypto Pound 2143. We have the DeFi Lunch Mission DeFi Discord setup. We have private channels for people joining the We're Forked Club. Um, and um, I just got word from the attorney today. The documents should be out uh, hopefully today. So we'll say tomorrow just to be safe. Um, but everything's coming together, Joe. We got it. Uh, we got it rolling. We've written up the rules a little bit, um, but we want the community to vote on the rules. And the projects. So start thinking about the projects you think we should be in. Um, we got a list of potentially 30. I mean, we have a list of 60, 70 plus, but um, we probably will narrow that to 30. And Joe, if we need to, I guess we could always narrow it to 20 if we needed to. Yeah, I was thinking about that last night too. That anything from, you know, I think that when we set up the rules that I guess everyone votes on, um, like you say, like one rule is, you know, it could be, a, I mean, I haven't quite. You know, I haven't talked to the attorneys yet. You know, you're doing that, but you know, it could be anything from like, you know, first rule choices. You know, invest in the top twenty, invest in the top thirty, and people. Right. The next right. one is, you know, at take profit at some, you know, multiple at a hundred percent. Maybe you sell twenty five percent. It could be sell none. It could yeah. Be let it just ride. 
yeah. you know, for 12 months and close it out and see what happens. It could be when we, um, you know, triple the value, then, um, you know, rebate the principal to everyone. Um, just, just lots of, I want to keep it as simple. After we talked after the last show, I started thinking we keep it as simple as possible, like you said, but then, you know, when we get to points where things could happen, like a new project, um, then everybody votes on that because the yeah. first part is all just execution based upon the approved rules. Right. Then when we get to like looking at new ones and everybody votes again, we get the distributions, <clears throat> everybody votes again, you know, things like that. So, Oh, I forgot to tell you vote with tally Dennison Bertram. I messaged him. He's the founder of vote with tally, which is a voting platform that DAOs use yeah. some of the biggest, some of the biggest DAOs. And I reached out to him. I said, Hey man, it looks like yours, you know, the onboarding process is pretty complex. We have to be connected to all these Dow smart contracts, blah, blah, blah. I said, uh, so I was going to, I wanted to use you guys and talk about you on the show. Cause I really like him a lot. He's, mm -hmm. he's I did an interview with him. He's just a great guy. Just a good human. And, um, he said, Oh yeah, but I've got a project that sounds like it'd be perfect for you for managing this thing. So he said he was going to reach out to me, um, probably tomorrow or Wednesday. So there may be something we can do with the vote with tally team uh, on a Dow platform they're putting together. So we'll see. I don't have any more details than that, but uh, it'd be really cool to work with them and uh, see what kind of um, thing they're building out there. So what is the base? Is it a way to tally votes? Is it on the platform? So the vote with tally is like snapshot. Their core yep. product is a way for you to vote based on token holdings, right? So it's one for one, whatever. But it was connected when they built it. It's connected to two different um, governance smart contract sets. Uh, one is called Governor and the other one is called something. I think one's from Ave and one's from Curve. I, I'm not sure. But the bottom line is it's much more than we need. We, we just don't need that complexity uh, for yeah. what we're trying to do here. We're, this is just a simple thing for people to vote as club members on, you know, what to do with the money, what stock, what, what projects to put the money into, uh, how much to put in and that kind of thing. Uh, so um, when I explained it to him, though, he said, oh, I think we have something that might be perfect for you. He said he'd talk to me after the holiday. So uh, I'll reach out to him and ping him. But that could be exciting to have that help as well. Yeah. Um, had some chats going on with the folks, the good folks at uh, Multicoin, you know, that site we use to find uh, uh, to find um, yields. Multi, multi, multi farm, multi farm. Multi -farm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So had some conversations with the team over there because they were building out a dashboard for squid Dow to monitor all of squid Dow's investments in their, their fund kind of model. Uh, and I said, Hey, is that something that's readily available or is that something custom you guys built? And he said, nah, it's something custom, but he said, um, maybe not this round, but they might want to work with us uh, on the big fund later <laughs> and give us a platform for that. So oh, perfect. Um, I told him we'd be happy to chat that up and talk about that tool because we talk about it all the time. And those are good folks over there. So, um, yeah. Um, on another note, uh, real quickly, Yago from uh, Sovereign. Sovereign is the DeFi Bitcoin platform. Uh, there's two primary ones, Sovereign and Stacks. And on uh, the Thursday, the 30th at uh, 1800 UTC, He's bringing together a bunch of people in Bitcoin and crypto for a spaces uh, call. So I encourage everyone to check out his profile. It's E-D-A-N-Y-A-G-O on Twitter because he's a great guy. I love that project. I love what they're doing. Kind of an anti-maximalist Bitcoin, Bitcoiner. 
uh, with kind of the right approach to Bitcoin and DeFi and everything else. And that's a really cool project. Check out the interview I did with Sovereign and and Eden on uh, on uh, the Mission DeFi uh, feed. So that's exciting too. Um, but good guy, he invited me over to that. So check that out. Uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah, there was a couple other things I noticed in one of the pressers or articles I read about you know predictions of 2022. <clears throat> also the fact of regulation coming. So, yeah. um, which I don't know what that means. If it's they're just talking about Uniswap and Sushi Swap and stuff like yeah. that, because I don't see how they're going to be able to get to DAOs in twenty. They're not. They can't. They can't. No. They can't do anything. It's it's just. I mean, there's some things they can do to the ones that are doxed, but the, other than that, they can't do much. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, regulation, uh, two bit idiot at two bit idiot t w o b i t uh, i d i o t uh, Ryan is setting up has set up a discord you can get the link off of his twitter profile for people that want to get engaged with um it's called into the fray people that want to get engaged with uh the regulatory process the politics of it to try hmm. to get the regulation to be the way we want it to be so i'm in there with ryan and a bunch of really fucking smart people uh all kind of coming together to um uh, galvanize and create organizations for education, for lobbying, uh, for political head beating, uh, all that stuff. So I'm excited about that as well. Ryan has been uh, beating that drum pretty hard and he's a great guy. So excited about that. Yeah, that sounds um, interesting. I'm getting more and more bullish on Phantom, Joe. I, I just it's hard I, not to. It's hard not dude, to. Dude, I'm telling you, Daniel from uh, Abracadabra Wonderland, he is like beating that drum constantly he's going to he wants you know basically said in a tweet he wants phantom to be the the chain you're on that you didn't know you're on because it's so fast and so low cost um and he and andre Kranye have had a bunch of twitter uh tweets going back and forth they just have such a great community they're undervalued i just um i'm really excited about phantom and where it's going to go um and its potential that doesn't mean i favor it over anything else i think avalanche is awesome uh, I think there's some good stuff happening on Solana. I think that uh, you know level Polygon. I love you and I have spent a shitload of time on on uh, Polygon, um, and of course Layer One, if it can get its fees down uh, for Ethereum, is is great. But um, I think there's some real um, real potential uh, with Phantom to really explode, and, and I think it has superior consensus and performance mechanisms that all other Layer Ones. Um, don't have and will still run into the same congestion and fees that Ethereum ran into. So, yeah, I don't know about the technical side as much, but you know, I've been a believer in Phantom for probably nine months now. Um, you know, again, I'm just pulling up the comps to look at it market cap to TVL, just to remember Phantom's the sixth biggest chain, you know, layer one chain. I'm not counting BTC, of course, but um, you know, it's market cap to TVL is only 1.01. Whereas, you know, Avalanche is 2.35, Solana 4.89, BSC 5.38, ETH 3.0, Taro just about two. So it's the undervalued one in the top 10. You know, just behind Phantom is Polygon at 3.4, Tron at 1.5, and, you know, Arbitrum doesn't, doesn't have a, a, a ratio. Um, Kronos is at like nine. So if you're playing layer ones, um, yeah, you know, that's definitely one to play. The also the one I've been watching a lot lately too is Near. 
you know, that's been moving big time since uh, November. It was up, I think I saw it at 14 or $15 yesterday. So Yeah, it's been getting a lot of hype. Yeah, so that's still at 32. You know, they got a huge, well, they don't have much TVL, only 140 million. So their ratio is out of whack. But, um, you know, that's backed by big names. Um, I kind of picked it for the next cycle. Um, if, if we're still playing that cycle game, or is this just continuously going to up sideways up? Um, but that's one to look at. I might wait for it to dip at this point if I was going to get more. Um, but, you know, to me, Phantom is the layer one. If you're not in layer ones, it's the one to go into right now. And if you're in other ones and not Phantom, you should be getting some um, at these prices. Yeah. It's still cheap where it's at. And I don't know what the full... Um, trying to see what the full market cap because I also like to look at that number, but you know, I think their market cap was about uh six eight billion, I think. Yep, pull up another one real fast. So that has room to grow when you look at Solana being at like I think near 70 billion market cap, and it you know has let's see, it's got 12 billion in TVL, and Phantom has six billion in TVL. So, you know, let's just assume same TVL numbers getting to half of that market cap of Solana. Solana's market cap, I guess it's 62 million. And where is Phantom? Phantom. Um, six. So, I mean, there's at least a five to six X sitting in there from what I can see. Um, just everything staying constant. But if their TVL bumps, in correspondence to say a Solana's and everyone else, then that could go to, to 10 X. Right. Um, in my read. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I love Phantom. I mean, AVAX, I'm only in there because of all the, you know, um, rebasing and stuff we've been doing over there um, in different plays, but you know, I, you know, sometimes it's expensive and I don't mean let ETH expensive. Nah. I mean, you know, eight bucks, seven yeah. bucks. And, you know, I got spoiled on Polygon. Everything on Polygon is less than a penny. Right. Um, so. No, and you know. Phantom still maintains that. And and from what I understand on the technical side, the way their consensus algorithm is working, um, it's much less likely to get as congested or expensive as any of the other layer ones. And that's Andre Kranje, who's, who's designed that. So, um, and the fact that uh, Danielle from Abracadabra Wonderland is diving in so heavy with that. And evidently, I think he thinks, I haven't looked at the voting yet. I don't even know if it finished, but the the whole takeover of sushi thing that he was trying to do, um, which I shouldn't say takeover. Um, you know, he wants to kind of take over operational management, uh, vision strategy for sushi. Um, you know, that bodes well for any chain that he emphasizes because the end of the day, Sushi's across is the largest DEX across the most number of chains, and if he has that kind of influence and is putting a lot of emphasis on the Phantom side of things, you can expect even more to be driven from Sushi into Phantom. Um, at least that's my take, um, but it is not financial advice. Speaking of which, um, yeah. um, but um, I think that that bodes really well for Phantom. Like I could see like really see some massive growth and adoption there if uh if things keep going their way so anyway um yeah speaking of another layer so i interviewed uh elena uh the ceo at metis and metis is picking up on the hype train right now mm -hmm. uh, really seeing a lot more hype about it and here's a couple of the reasons that that's happening are um vitalik's 
Buterin's mother is one of the senior executives. She and Elena formed Crypto Chicks together, which is a uh, international global organization of literally hundreds of thousands of people who are all developers or creatives or whatever within uh, DeFi and crypto. And they have trained thousands of people on developing in crypto. But um, the way that Metis, which is a layer two, the way that Metis is being built mirrors everything that Vitalik has said he really wanted Ethereum to become, right? Because they have the freedom to do that in this layer two model that they're doing. Uh, down to like, um, he's been an advocate for what he calls decentralized autonomous companies, which is something that can be used as a DAO platform, but also can be used for people that need accounting, uh, bookkeeping, marketing, et cetera, built into a platform. And he's been advocating for that for a long time and no platform has picked it up. Well, their first release has decentralized autonomous company functionality built in. It's very basic right now, but it's growing. The TVL has been growing every day. I follow them. So I see a little bit more of the hype because I have alerts on for Metis, but the TVL has been growing at a very rapid pace. A few larger whales have come in, 3 million here, 4 million there. And then today I saw that uh, Zhu Su of Three Aries Capital uh, has started following Metis. So, you know, it's starting to it's starting to see a little bit of the beginnings of a crescendo on Metis. Um, and obviously I can't tell you how you should invest or not invest, but I personally am going to put a little bit of money in Metis because I think there's going to be a bit of a boom cycle here. It may not last forever, but I actually like what they're building. And one of my, I'm going to try to rush Elena's piece out uh, before the end of this week because um, it, it really gives you the insights into how and why they're building what they built and why it's important. And I think it'll, um, I think it'll be interesting to people who are starting to take a look at um, Metis as a potential platform. Um, they're starting to see, they have a hundred million dollar fund, a grant fund and another hundred million dollar investment fund. So they got $200 million for developers that want to bring their projects over. So my expectation is we'll see another little mini land rush or, of folks coming over to Metis to, to build and launch their products. Yeah, I'm looking at them on DeFi Llama. They're like at 72 in the chains. And they're right behind like Polkadot and Conflux and Kusama. Just because yeah. they don't have a lot of TVL. They don't. Um, but yeah, that sounds interesting. And it also doesn't hurt to be Vitalik's mom, obviously. Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, and they've got some high-end, really top-notch top developers on the team. Um, and interestingly, Crypto Chicks gave... Uh, funded and trained uh stanny from ave uh when he was building ave like mm. he he went to a crypto chicks training event and they really helped him uh helped him with some funds and money we talk about it during the podcast but ave may not have existed without uh, crypto chicks supporting stanny now obviously stanny could have gone and developed it elsewhere but you know his whole impetus for for building it came from having been to some crypto chicks events. So there's also all kinds of cool stories surrounding this project. I like the attitude. I like the, what they're doing with it. I think it's like one of those things that it's almost like getting in on the private sale, even though you're not um, because I think there's room to grow there. So what's the price? I think it's like 144 today, something like that. Um, I just had that open. I don't know if I still do, but anyway, 
I, I like what they're building. I like their approach. I like the fact that they're trying to build everything that Vitalik wanted. Um, both his mother and Elena were software developers. That's why they created CryptoChicks. Um, and so, um, you know, I think all, I think all the pieces are there. It's got good bones. It's got good development team. It's got a good philosophy and a good approach. Um, and they're taking this approach of building a tool for Web2 companies to move to Web3, right? That's right. So, the idea is they provide the infrastructure, the accounting, everything you need, your token, um, the exchanges, everything you need to move your Web2 company into Web3, which is to me a really, I don't think it's we're quite there yet, but six to nine months from now, I think that's going to have a lot of value. You think like in a Y2K level? A Y2K level? Well, remember the Y2K conversion? Yeah. Back in a day when oh, everybody you think, had to migrate? You think that many people will have, Oh, I don't think it'll be forced, but I definitely think... I think, look, they are losing talent hand over fist right now. I just read two different articles about the flood of talent leaving Web 2 to go to Web 3. Google, Facebook, all the major players are losing the big talent. That means we're going to see a massive crescendo because not only are we getting technical talent coming in, but now we're getting all the best growth marketers in the world are coming over to DeFi now. And when that happens... And these projects, I mean, look, people are going to get pissed off because newbies are going to come in with these great projects and they're going to take the attention from the guys who've been building all this time. Yeah. But those are the guys that can drive consumers into this space and TradFi into this space because they know how to drive growth. So I'm actually um, I'm actually excited as long as we keep them in a decentralized mindset, I'll be happy. Um, but for the most part, um, I think we could, Joe. I think we could see a massive... Flip. Well, you know, it kind of seems to me like this is sort of the kind of the event, the, the catalyzing event that we've been waiting for, because all the research I see out there about all the people leaving, um, you know, investment banks and consulting firms and big tech to go do crypto startups, as I said, in, I think last week, um, it's pretty much around this concept of of Web3 and, and DeFi and how yeah. it all fits. Everything from, you know, your specific browsers to deal with crypto, et cetera, versus other things um, that I think is sort of this piece that I didn't really see two years ago coming. And, yeah. you know, now that I see it, I get, you know, that all the talents heading into this space. And the best thing for us and everybody listening to us is that we're already in the space. Exactly. So, you know, this is another one about, you know, the rising tide lifting all boats, but this is the kind of thing I think we've been waiting on. And in my Y2K, um analog is you know for those who don't know it was just a certain thing about how many decimal points i think numbers could be displayed yeah and you know they had to go in and redo like every single website and database and enterprise platform to be able to accommodate the the date change to um i guess to 2000 instead of 1999 whatever Mm -hmm. the reason was i can't remember but um, yeah they were doing everything with the two digits yeah, everything was coded with the last two digits of the year. That's right, and they had to. Go and to then four. when two thousand flipped over, they had to go to four. That's what it was exactly. So you know, massive. I mean, companies and spaces were just created to tackle that problem. Companies went public just to tackle that problem. There was like four or five that were really billions of that. dollars. Yeah, and what's it sounds like a trivial problem, you know, ended up being a you know mega billion dollar solution. So to me, an opportunity, and it kind of just led to the next wave of expansion. So to me, this is the type of thing where, you know, Web3, DeFi, crypto, 
um, you know, everything on the web, social, all of that is now could be going through this one box or this one funnel. And it's the place you want to be. So, you know, yeah. maybe that's one of my predictions for next year. There you go. <laughs> look, and I think, look, I think everything's going to have a token. And I yeah. think what we're going to have to remember is that as they proliferate, not every token is going to be a home run, right? We are going to reach a saturation point where um, more people will be coming in to buy the tokens. But, you know, when it gets to be a gazillion tokens, there's going to be a solution that comes along that says, okay, you guys should take a piece of this existing token instead of having your own token, right? Or somebody will come up with some sub-token scheme to primary tokens, right? Like maybe FTM, there's a sub-token to it, right? And that's how people monetize their project, but it all feeds somehow into FTM's financial model. I don't know. Bottom line is, at some point during this next year, I think we're going to see a massive saturation of tokens for every project that's coming over to Web3. And it'll be really important for people to keep in mind that there will be a breaking point, right? That that at some point we'll hit the ICO level where um, a lot of tokens are just going to bleed out. And um, there'll be an initial private sale. Everybody will make their money at the beginning and then everybody else will get burned. So yeah. just be wary of that. All, along with the massive growth will come um, some pain. Um, but... You made me think of something earlier. Yeah, no, I think that's, it's it's just. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was talking to, a, you know, it's funny you were talking about it. I, I think another reason that this is happening is I was talking this morning to uh, a guy from Eastern Europe who has a project he's working on. And um, he had asked me if he should set up a U.S. company for <laughs> for his token sale. And I said, no fucking way. <laughs> Do not set up a U.S. company for anything. Um, don't worry about a U.S. bank because they don't want you. Don't be a U.S. company because the U.S. doesn't want you um, because the U.S. wants everyone to leave. Um, and he said, he said, you know, the most powerful thing about this is not that um, we can make more money and, and that we're, you know, have more opportunity and we could get really rich. He said the, the, the most powerful thing to me is that I don't have to ask anybody's fucking permission. You know, I get to do whatever the fuck I want, build whatever I want, build whatever financial mechanism I want. And I don't have to ask anybody's permission to do it. I just do it. I don't have to register it. I don't have, and I was like, that's a great way to look at it, man. Because that's what's happening here, right? That's what's happening in DeFi and NFTs and gaming and metaverse, whatever else. People are realizing that they don't, need the government's permission to build something and ultimately if they remain anonymous and decentralize it or even if they're not anonymous but they decentralize it or they have a, a path to decentralization you know they are less likely to have to worry about having not asked for permission and i think that's what's happening in this space is that people are saying i shouldn't have to ask for permission it's just like the um you know, part of the discussion going on in the uh, Into the Fray thing with the Two Bit Idiot with Ryan and the government stuff is um, that one of the things that rings and resonates with people the most is the accredited investor law. Because average people know that they can't, they're not permitted to invest in startups, in things that could be 
a 10,000x return or a 1,000x return or a 100x return. Those, they're not permitted because the government says they're not smart enough to make a choice about where to put their money, right? I think one mm. of the things that's going to drive, one of the things that's going to drive people to DeFi is that they don't have to ask the government's fucking permission to invest in anything they want to invest in and to potentially have high returns from those, right? That barrier broken down, I think, is going to be one of the primary communication mechanisms of even if somebody hadn't considered investing in a startup as a venture capitalist or an angel investor, the fact that you can draw that picture for the average guy and say, the people who get the most wealth are the ones who get qualified as being rich enough to gain more wealth. You aren't qualified to gain enough wealth because you don't have enough wealth. So you don't get to play in the game that the bankers and everybody else gets to play in. DeFi, nobody tells you whether you can play or not. You just come and play. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, everything has a perspective. Um, you know, I look back on all those Series A deals I was in, and I wish I wasn't an accredited investor. <laughs> most of them don't friggin' work. So, you know, if you're protecting the investor from that choice, um, you know, I, I guess that's a noble goal, but but also it's that, you know, it's really not saying you're not smart enough to do it. It's saying that you can't afford to lose the money. So they're really trying to like wean it to just people who can afford, like we talk about, you know. Don't yeah, but shouldn't that be your lose. choice? I mean. What I lessons mean, did you learn from the from the bad investments? Well, uh, what I learned is that any most VC deals that aren't coming out of Silicon Valley or um, a place like that, you know, a top tier place are kind of the not the top tier deals and that the best deals, you know, it doesn't matter how you what you call it or whatever. Everybody's already in it, you know, before you even hear about it. So, you know, they're anointed deals. Right. You know, like Uber was an anointed deal. Airbnb was an anointed deal. You know, these are deals where. The huge money got behind them and just this, you know, huge VC funds and that they're just going to be the ones that make it a success. And they already have relationships with the banks so they can go public or they can sell to another portfolio fund. It's just kind of they get anointed. And if you're out of that circle, it's really hard to um, do well in Series A deals, I think. Um, so which is one of the reasons I like about crypto. And I, I don't know what, you know. I don't know how you would ever enforce accredited investor stuff on um, DeFi in particular or DAOs in particular, um, other than maybe some KYC elements to go with the AML piece. But I don't see how you can make them accredited. You so, can, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that that's, that can come. I think that, you know, most of these regulators, they kind of err on the side of, you know, I, I personally don't think that they're trying to protect the monopoly for the rich people. I think it's more that they're trying to keep the rich people from grifting on the poor people or less, less. Look, I, I, I agree but, that I agree that it was the, that's the original intent. Yeah. I'm talking about the effect is. It keeps people out who don't yeah. have that. But again, you know, there's a lot of people that are asset rich and income poor in the country in the mid, in the middle America, let's say, you know, where they're sitting on multi-million dollar businesses that might be a farm or a plumbing operation or a tradesman operation, but they just don't have huge income. So, um, you know, I think 
they still have a high enough uh, net worth to be accredited. But, you know, at the same time, I don't know if that person is, you know, they're trusting someone else who's selling the deal to them. And, you know, I don't trust people like that. I don't either. <laughs> but is it, is it, but shouldn't that be, shouldn't that be our decision to make? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, what I think the SEC should be involved in, because they don't prevent fraud, right? They didn't prevent Nicola no, they just, they from come fucking in everybody. Or, they clean I up saw, the mess after that. Hey, you know, I did speak to Nicola. I did see an article last couple of days where they just got some massive deal. Um, they got they the got first, a, they first got a truck out. They got a little slap on the wrist for the initial fraud. Yeah, they got yeah, the truck pay out. Our, but pay your SEC bribe. There they got go. their first truck that was actually running and wasn't That's being awesome. pulled, pulled by a rope or rolling down. That's awesome. But yeah, you know, no that, kind of, that kind of stuff goes on constantly. You know, right. when you're showing an MVP or a beta, I mean, just the amount of people that fake those things. Of course. Selling that aspirational product. Yep. And there's a big gray area as to that's fraud or not. And usually it comes down to did you succeed or not? Right. So I think a lot of startups, a lot of companies kind of engage in a soft version of investment fraud. But as long as you succeed, it's okay. But if you right. fail, you're screwed. Yeah. And because everybody's going to come after you. Because those sophisticated investors that, you know, when they want their money back, I mean, it could be you sitting at a bar telling them, we got this deal coming down with company X and then it doesn't happen. And they'll claim that you defrauded them and get to right. get the money back. So there's usually insurance companies involved too. So it's a, it's a big mess. Um, but I think that what you say is interesting because I do think that everybody should have the right to make their own decisions. I just see how much grifting goes on in you know, quackery about all kinds of things. And it's not just limited to, um, you know, series a or accredited investor deals. It's just frigging everywhere. Of course, and, you know, there's a hustle always in business. So, but at the same time, I do see your point. I do think that people should be free to do what they want to do if they're smart enough to do it. Yeah. Um, but well, even if they're not, even if they're dumb enough to do it, but you know, think about, <laughs> I mean, I've been known to go to the racetrack occasionally. And I remember um, we used to go on Christmas Eve, me and my brother, just for yucks and um, drink a few beers and bet a few horses. And, um, and, you know, I remember you'd see people in there that you could tell they were betting the Christmas present money. Oh yeah. You know, and they're walking out all dejected and stuff. And I mean, you could never protect people against that type of behavior. Most people don't have any self-control, um, but you kind of look at that and you kind of think, wow, that's kind of a shame, but maybe they would have probably blown the money somewhere else anyhow. Yeah. Or maybe they're just going to screw it up. But there's there's definitely two perspectives to all of that. And I I tend to like what I like about DeFi and all of this is that, you know, most of those Series A rounds where you got to be accredited, you know, you have to write a check for 25 grand right. at least to get into those. So it tends to naturally weed out a lot of people that can't evaluate the deal because they can't write a check that big. Um, you know, but look them. what we just did in a week. Yeah. 80 but grand. That, so, but, you know, and that's people that are that are putting in from five hundred to ten thousand dollars each. So yeah. there is the that's the power of DeFi is that you can take part in these things and, and you can all, loosely organize. And you're not all paperwork hamstrung and yeah. red tape to death. Um, I look at this as um, is a slightly different from my perspective because or a lot different just because we're not building a product. 
you know. No, no. Not, what I'm saying is that I no my my, my parallel here was just that capital, that capital if you didn't have the 25 grand, you could get together with a bunch of people in DeFi and have the 25 grand, right? You can yeah. form a Yunt Capital, who was yep. 18 guys who started small and built into a pretty big powerhouse as a fund, right? I mean, that's the beauty of DeFi is that we don't that. There, yes, there are limitations on who gets in the door on the private round or the seed round, but if you've got the cash, you could probably get in on those. So all you have to do to get the cash is get together with fifteen of your buddies and call yourself a cap, a fund, or whatever you want to call it. Talk, talk to your attorney. Don't take advice club, from me. Club, 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 whatever you want to call it. I'm not talking about what we're doing. I'm talking about what people could do to be involved in these deals. My, my point being that there is no limit in DeFi, right? You, you yeah. can be a, a player at any level that you want to. And yeah. so that, that to me is what's powerful. The, the other thing is I, that I just thought of is the DeFi community as a whole does a better job of protecting investors that want to do the work than the SEC ever has. Well, yeah, like we said earlier, it's a forensic organization. I mean, I'm going to you know, tweet that shit. What? Yeah, get us, get us more friends. All right, good. Um, Everybody, Joe gets very nervous when I when I take on this shit. But, but just, uh, I, it, no, I don't care. Nobody cares. It's just, I mean, everybody's in. It's all gray area, and yeah. so it's all about how you, you know, deal with authority in those situations. To me, um, you know. It was funny when with all the ICO stuff in 2018, 2017 timeframe, um, you know, I can remember working with a few clients that had done ICOs and, you know, I mean, everybody was talking about how we test this, how we test that, which, you know, I always looked at all of that as like, really doesn't make any sense to me at all. And it, it kind of came out of all the Jobs Act stuff around crowdfunding and some enterprising person took that and then decided, hey, we could do like, you know, ICOs, it's more of job act crowdfunding kind of thing. And here's the Howey test that justifies that it's not a security. Of course, the SEC perspective is if you're given money for something, it's a security. Everything's a right. security. But when you look back at what happened with the ICOs, you know, the big high visibility players either settled or fought and lost. And yeah. in, in some might, might get a favorable thing still after five years of litigation. But the ones I was most worried about, the smaller projects that were actually doing something that used it to, you know, build a platform or something to that effect. I haven't seen any enforcement action and they know all these players. Of they course. Built databases, but they decided to kind of as long as you weren't, um, they're not penalizing people for execution risk. OK, yeah. just like you don't penalize the Series A startup for effing it up, you know, but you do penalize people for fraud you know, when they lie. And so the ICOs that got really dinged were the typical fraudulent ones where they had of course. Fake, fake people, fake bios, no plan, no nothing, you know, just a money grab. Those all got nailed. But everybody else that kind of bent the rules and went for it, whether they succeeded or failed, you know, they're not coming after them from what I can see. So. Well, there were some that were spanked uh, with big fines, but for the most part, nobody was going to jail. Yeah, I mean, but the ones it was usually interesting enough. The ones that came in and um, <laughs> engaged, you yeah. know, were the you ones get punished got, for trying to be compliant. Yeah, and so um, to me, I think it's you know, you just go for it and you know, be sound and you know, tell the truth and yeah. be doxed. 
and use the mechanisms to your advantage because it is fast capital. I mean, you can raise money fast around good ideas. Yep. Um, and so to me, I kind of think that that's where, you know, if the regulation starts bumping up against DeFi this year coming up, it's going to be in the big DeFi stuff. You know, yep. it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like the Aves. It's going to yeah. be the guys that are holding $15 billion yep. and, you know, what's going on there. Um, Cause that's what I think they're most concerned about. And then stable coins, you know, how does that, you know, uh, those could be gaping holes of crypto market value yep. um, if not managed properly. So to me, I think all those come up, but they don't get to where we're at. That's right. like 2025, 2027. Right. Um, they can't, you know, they, they're still working on 2018 stuff, you know? So <laughs> I'm like, you know, just be a straight shooter, tell the truth and don't steal the money. I mean, that's yeah, exactly. That's the key, which yeah. is what we all want. So I think the fact that we're out doxxed and everything um, gives people confidence. I mean, cause I mean, look, I've invested in quite a few things that nobody was doxxed. You know, most of yep. them actually worked. Alchemics, um, Olympus Dow. Yeah. I mean, these <laughs> Doki, I mean, you name Doki. it, just go down yep. the list. I mean, yep. and the only ones that kind of nailed me was the late wave of, um, you know, some of those own forks that, you know, went down in price just because of everybody, you know, consolidating at the end of the year, people dumping to get gains or book gains. Um, but those are all down. I got a ton more. I'm not really down monetarily. I'm still a little bit up, but you know, I've right. got token prices way down. Yep. But you know, and those you just wait. Like look at Geist and Blizzard. Yeah. You know, those are ones I got everything locked in the vaults there for another couple of months. And it went way down and now some rebound. And you know, that was kind of what I thought was going to happen. So, you know, these are ones where, you know, you kind of can for put it in and forget about it, which is something new. But yeah. you know, I'm kind of eating it there right now, but I don't really <laughs> worry about it. No, because um, I know something else will come, even though they're not doxxed. So Absolutely. It's a math situation. So I think I tend to kind of agree with you that, you know, in DeFi, it is the ability for the average person to do what they want yep. and not have to worry too much about it. Totally um, agree. And these are just American problems, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> everybody else outside of here, the wind's in your sails, guys. <laughs> exactly. Go for it. You're yeah. lucky to be in a country that appreciates freedom. Yeah. So yeah. this will, um, but you know, I think it'll weed out and it'll keep pushing innovation. I mean, like yep. I said, some of the lawyers that I deal with in New York, they're, you know, big, you know, they big SAC type lawyers and, you know, they're just telling clients to set up overseas now. Yeah. And, and that's, come, that's what I would tell anybody right now. Yeah. And come just back. Don't when, have anything to do with the U S yeah. Just stay out of the jurisdiction right now until they sort the rules. Yep. And if you can't, then just, you know, do your best to play by the rules. Exactly. But, you know, it's, that's all you can say. Um, but you know, it is what it is. There's a reason why people like 1% yields in bank accounts. Oh, of course. You know, I guess it's safety. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't As your money that. gets eaten away. Yeah. And it depreciates 50% a year. You know, I'm like, <laughs> but you got that 1% APR going, right? Yep. There you go. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, and it's it's true. It doesn't it's all relative because you're spending in the U.S. But if you go out of the U.S. to spend that money, see what you yeah. get. Yeah. Or go look at real estate. Go yeah. look at the grocery store. I mean, exactly. You can see where it's reflecting in there. It's a devaluation of that dollar plus all the supply chain stuff. But 
Um, you know, I don't get it. So I think yeah. there's going to be a big migration into this space where people are chasing higher returns. I mean, even like somebody was talking somewhere about, you know, this whole group that is getting 1% that, you know, all you got to do is show them 12% return and yeah. they're doing backflips. Exactly. You know, if you show them 1.7 trillion return, you know, they shut it down because it looks too good to be true. Yeah. And, and it's too much of a conversation at that point to explain that, yes, one, it is too good to be true, but <laughs> maybe not for the next couple hours. <laughs> in which Absolutely. case, in which case you could, you know, turn to make 50 grand off a million in two hours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's not, that's not too good to be true. No, but that happens not. all the time. So every day. Yeah. So, but you got to watch it. These are things you can't just park it and forget it. And I think series A, you know, things like that, <sighs> somebody comes into a half million dollars, they want to go, you know, seed a bunch of series A deals. Some banker goes, okay, we got a live one. And they run up, you know, 20 deals for that person to put money into. And yep. they just stroke diversify into 20 shitty deals you know, with like that aren't going to succeed or maybe one does. But, you know, you don't even look at that stuff ever right. again right. until somebody says, oh, the IPO or, hey, we're, um, you know, uh, taking on some convertible preferred stock investors and yep. you've got to subordinate your interest to them and this and that. Um, you don't have to think about it. And most Americans are accustomed to like not managing it of just yep. you know putting it in and forgetting that's why index funds are so big that's why etfs are so big you know that's that's why u.s equities are so big and you know it is oh, still wait, hmm? wait till americans figure out that they don't have to work the two jobs anymore if yeah. they actually get smart about investing in DeFi. right when you figure out that you can earn at a minimum at a minimum 15 to 20% per year on your money, you start to do the math and think, what the fuck? I don't have to, if I start putting aside X percent of every check into the safest investments in DeFi and I'm only cutting 12 or 15%, guess what? In a few years, both of us don't have to work anymore, right? Or I don't have to work two jobs anymore. Um, and all these increases in salaries that are hourlies that people are getting you know, if they can set aside some of that money and keep their same standard of living and put that money in DeFi, that that can turn into some real value and wealth eventually if they do it smart. Yeah, I mean, I was just the amount of I mean, I, I heard yesterday from someone that like McDonald's pays 15 bucks an hour. To totally. Publix and is I, paying that. Yeah. And I started thinking, so what is that? So if you that's like 30,000 a year, I think. Yeah. Um, Which is know, still not enough to live on in Miami, by the way. But. Yeah, it's, but it's, but you know, it is enough to live on in Memphis. Hell yeah, it is enough to live on in Knoxville. Yeah. It is enough in Cincinnati. Um, you know, and two people doing that, sixty grand. I, I don't even think you're probably paying any taxes at that income level, other probably. than FICA. Right. Um, I don't. I think because you're below all the big, you know, step ups. So, and then you got all the tax credits and stuff coming at you too. Um, you know, you could buy houses in a lot of those towns for less than a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I think that it's kind of interesting to watch how it is, you know, people, let's just say the uh, economic populists um, that feel left behind or that it hasn't worked out for them. I would think that if you take something like that, where you got two people working at whatever job making 15 bucks an hour, I don't know the bass store or the fishing shop or the hunt shop, the, the 
bar, the restaurant, the supermarket, the fast food place. You could make enough money now to get a house. And, you know, I'm sure you're not, you know, you're driving in, you know, regular well, cars. Getting a house like right now might be difficult, but yeah, I know what you mean. In some of those places, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's going to give people a chance. And if you then throw DeFi on top of that yeah. and some actual yield farming type plays or rebasing plays or you know, any of the things we talk about, stablecoin pools, you know, where you can eke out another 20% on that, yep. um, you know, that that's real money and real social change. Yep. Um, so I, I hope to see a lot more people um, recognizing that going forward. And, you know, if that is our mission, then that's our mission. Yeah, um, I agree. Totally to, agree, uh, Joe. To evangelize that. Let's wrap it up. Yep. All right, folks. Hey, if you still want to be involved in the We're Forked Club, uh, Telegram, Twitter, DM me, B05Crypto. Telegram and Twitter is B05Crypto. On Discord, B05CryptoPound2143, B05CryptoPound2143. You can see it on your screen right now. Uh, you can also now search, I think this works in Discord, but got me because I'm still barely figuring it out at this point after months. Uh, if you search for Mission DeFi or DeFi Lunch on Discord, you should find our main Discord channel. DM me on there. And I will add you to the We're Forked group. We have a, um, when you send me a message, I'll send you a link to a form you can fill out. You do not have to dox yourself. Um, if you optionally want to put your email address in there, you can. You can use whatever name you want to use to be known as. Um, we do ask for your wallet address that will be associated with the club. But other than that, uh, we're looking forward to having everybody. Joe, I don't know, you think we'll break 100 grand before we launch or we should uh, cut it off here in the next uh, few days? Well, I have to talk to some people this week in DC, so I think let's 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 give it to the end of the year. Okay, and let's cut it off maybe at that point to launch. Great, we can still. People, I mean, are we going to set it up to where people can still come in after launch? I guess uh, I've had a few people request that. I think yeah. after we get going for maybe four weeks, we could have another round of people come in because then we'll know the uh, per. It's like the fund I run, right? We know. Yeah then we know the per uh, unit value for everybody that's in and we can then sell uh, memberships at that point to the club at that value. But we'll, we'll talk to the attorney about that as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause we want to keep that part as simple as possible. Yeah. But we still want to, you know, if other people do want to come in, we want to make sure they can. Um, yeah. I had some people just say they didn't want to, they don't want to touch their uh, current cash situation or their investments right now and so they want to wait and so i said yeah i'm sure we'll work something out for uh after the first month but we'll yeah. figure it out they're waiting for that phantom to go up <laughs> now i think that's what i look at my stuff too i'm like god you know i don't want to do any movements here because i'm waiting for these to, certain ones to roll um, yeah it's funny i've had i've had this uh, i have this one wallet where i have some payments coming in from some other past stuff. Yep. And so it's like a thousand bucks here, a thousand bucks there, a thousand bucks here. And every time it comes in, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting it immediately into uh, Phantom and WMMO. And that's it. I'm just boom, 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 letting it sit there. And whatever I, you know, I'll take that and put, that's probably where I'll drain for, for uh, uh, we're forked, just plop it over and take it from there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I'm I'm kind of at that stabilized point, right? I think we need to start. Uh, we won't be on tomorrow, folks. Day after tomorrow, I guess. No, no, we're there, no. We're back Monday. Back Monday, the third. Really? We're not going to have another one before the end of the year. I thought we just said that at the beginning of the show. No, I thought we said Thursday. 
I'm traveling tomorrow. I'm traveling Wednesday. I don't know. I'll tweet and let you guys know if we're doing a show on Thursday or Friday. I think maybe we should do one on Thursday. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I was just sitting there looking at my, thinking about my calendar, and I'm like, it's vacation. So What the fuck do you got to do? Yeah. Unless go. your daughter's dragging you somewhere to spend money. No, no, she spends a lot of she gets spends a lot of time with her grandparents. Oh, good, so that's cool. Go out, you know, sporting around town, nice, um, doing their thing. So, um, but no, yeah, Thursday could work. You know, okay. um, and and I'll, I'll tell you what, if we're gonna do Thursday, I'll have my top ten picks for twenty twenty two. Yeah, and I'll have my predictions. I didn't do my whole list today, so we'll we'll do our prediction show. Yeah, absolutely. And then All we'll right. close it out at that point, and then we'll be up and running on um, January third. Nice. Beautiful. Everybody, we love you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing it. Please tell your friends about us. Please rate us and review us on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, preferably the Apple uh, Podcasts app. Um, every time you rate or review us, it gets more people to notice us and helps us have uh, more fun spreading financial freedom. Um, yeah. We... Uh, we love you guys, and uh, if you want to join the club, please message me, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of days. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thanks, buddy. Have a thanks, great day, everyone. bud. All right. Cheers. Bye. You too, buddy. Talk to you. Bye. Bye, everyone.